Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include productivity of working from home, attorney Brian Levy interviewing me about my life outside a mortgage, and with the Fed on hold, now what? Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Calc. Given the rates are the highest they've been in decades, how can homeowners be convinced to move into a new home? With the trade and mortgage powered by Calc, homeowners can buy before they sell, make non-contingent offers, and tap their home equity to fund the down payment on their next home. The result? Lenders help their clients negotiate a lower purchase price, reduce their interest payments, and eliminate PMI. Elon Musk is increasing his control of the roads with Tesla. Internet communications with his Starlink satellites, access to outer space via SpaceX, and now, people's brains through neural implants. It appears that we're living in a science fiction novel, and we know how those typically end. Yes, his compensation made headlines this week, but he's obviously in it for the long game. Mr. Musk can work from anywhere, but what about you? Are you back in the office after the pandemic from years ago? Plenty of LOs, AEs, and commentary writers and podcast hosts have always worked remotely, but others, not so much. Here's something to add, some fuel to the debate. Proof from the University of Pittsburgh that return to office mandates are pointless and don't help productivity. For the link to that story, as well as latest jobs, transitions, and expansion, lender, broker, software, products, and services, and more, visit robchrisman.com. A survey of workers found that 43% said that working from home made them more productive. 14% said it made them less productive, and the other 43% said it didn't make a difference either way. This runs up against perceptions among bosses, who, in general, tend to think that flexible working relationships somehow have a negative impact on productivity. <laughs> I'm with the bosses. You know, If I'm taking this survey as a worker, I'm saying, heck yeah, my productivity is better from home, when there's not a chance at all that it is. Anyways. Speaking of being at home, good lenders and vendors know their clients. Apparently, living with mom and dad is that bad. Millennials are so desperate to own homes that most would buy homes with asbestos. 67% said that. Mold, in at 62%. And foundation issues, at 58%, per a 2024 home buyer report. But living without mommy and daddy can be stressful. Nearly two in three millennial home buyers, 65%. Say buying a home makes them feel in over their heads financially. In addition, 79% of millennials would pay above the asking price to beat the competition for their dream home. That figure's down from 85%, who said the same in 2023. Turns out it's harder to delete a tweet than delete a mortgage. Overall, 90% of millennial homeowners have regrets about their first home purchase, up from 82% in 2023. The most common regret is a bad location at 27% followed by bad neighbors, 26%, and an interest rate that's too high at 25%. Homeownership continues to be a good, arguably the best way to build wealth. Home prices keep rising. The Case-Shiller National Index was up 5.1% year-over-year in November, and the FHFA Index, overseer of Fannie and Freddie, reported home prices in its survey, rose 6.6% year-over-year in November. There's no hint of borrower strain, despite experts waiting for people to stop making payments. But with high levels of equity, the ability to repay in place, and low interest rates, fewer thinking about it. The single-family mortgage seriously delinquent rate was just 0.55%, notably low. Renters, however, are in a different boat. 
Fannie Mae reports that about one-third of all households in the United States, or 45 million households, are renters. And as of 2022, about half that population was cost-burdened, spending more than 30% of their income on rent utilities. Overall, affordability remains the most significant challenge for renters in the U.S., and the issue can affect the immediate and long-term health, well-being, and quality of life of the household. However, other aspects of the renter experience also can lead to housing instability and make longer-term housing security more difficult. A recent survey conducted by Fannie Mae found that renter struggles are intensifying throughout the life cycle of a lease, before moving in during the term of their lease, when renewing their lease, and when moving out. In addition to finding a home that meets their needs, many renters said a top challenge was finding the cash for upfront costs, such as fees for an application and the security deposit. 34% of respondents said this was a top concern in 2023, compared with 26% who said so in 2021. Other concerning and frequent challenges include unexpected changes in lease terms at renewal, the inability to use rent payments and build in credit history, and difficulty and delay in getting security deposits returned. In the U.S., it takes an average of 3.7 years of PPP-adjusted income to afford a globally benchmarked starter home, assuming an average 636-square-foot, two-bedroom unit price of $287,000. For today's interview, I want to welcome back to the show attorney Brian Levy to talk to me a little bit about my life outside of mortgage. This is part one of a part two conversation. Part two will air next Friday. So... We had such an amazing outpouring of support last time. You're you're back by popular demand. That you're a much better interviewer than me. The people want to hear you ask me questions about my bicycle riding. So you yeah. you have a long list over there, yeah. Yeah, I think when 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 la- when we last left it, you were you were blowing up either your lungs or your legs on the on a on a Swiss mountain ride and realizing that it was much better to um you know, observe the scenery than to blow through it. You know, I came, I came back to America and I, I raced a little bit for people out there that followed a cat one road pro cross country mountain bike. And, uh, I just, I, I was racing with a bunch of people that were trying to get to where I'd been and I just wanted to ride my bike. So to, to make a long story short, we can get into some of the trips and things. I, I started riding, I, you know, if I wear, if I go for a ride now, I'll wear a t-shirt and ride in flat pedals. And sometimes I'll wear sandals. Sometimes I'll wear slippers. I'm not, I'm not big into the alien space gear looking getup that seems like everybody has these days or the branding associated with whatever. Label. Yeah. I'm aware that a lot of particularly road cyclists are, uh, they're very, uh, pretentious around, you know, what they wear and what they, and how they ride and, uh, yeah. things are really so i'm i'm such a competitive person though yeah i'd still go out to the group rides because it's fun to go fast and i'd be wearing a, a t-shirt flapping in the wind you know, like a button up that was unbuttoned flopping around not arrow and go win that guy yeah that's what i love about yeah, where's, your, where's your bike shorts where's your 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 you know with the with the suspenders and the well i do wear those i just have pockets on them to, to stash my stuff rather than putting it in the jersey but i, I was gonna say what I love about bicycling, and maybe I miss now that I'm slow and 40 pounds over race weight, is it's not really a sport like baseball or basketball where it's, oh, you got us today, we'll get you tomorrow. Someone is clearly stronger than somebody else. And these are grown men that, by their attire choices, as you alluded, care very deeply about it. 
And so breaking the will and the spirit of grown men is so satiating. I this, I loved it. I I know that sounds sadistic, but I, you know, it's fun being better than other people. That's, that's, that's people just, really care about. That's just being competitive. I think that's, that's, you know, that's great. And you're, you're just kind of a, a solo competitor as opposed to a team competitor. Well, I did, I did grow up playing baseball, basketball, football. So I'm used to the the team aspect, but yeah, it's, it's nice that it's kind of on you at the end of the day, either, either you're there or you're not good enough. And, and it's a harsh reality. I, I am very competitive. Yes. You, you know, watch some documentary on Kobe Bryant people say, Oh, that's the most competitive person I've ever met. And I'm sitting there with my arms crossed going, no, I'm the most competitive person you've ever met, you know, like that sort of thing. So it's actually interesting in new Orleans at the IMB conference where I had the pleasure of spending some time with you in person, there's a kind of a weird frenemy atmosphere among a lot of people. Like, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy seeing the people in the industry and, and spending time with them and talking to them. And I wish everybody success. I have the good fortune of being able to, to say that because Chrisman LLC kind of is a cork bobbing on the water of the industry. We're not, we're not in the water, mixing it up with, other people and uh i i get the sense that there's this like hey we wish you well but you know you're our competitor at the end of the day like we we want to beat you yeah i think that's i think that's very accurate i mean i think some folks are much more uh open about that i mean i don't think you'll see matt ishbia and dan gilbert having drinks together you know talking about that kind of stuff um you know they're they're dead serious about their competitiveness and, you know, wanting to beat each other. So I think some folks are just better at at being um, collaborative in that adventure than others. And the place to do it is when you have a trade association that's working for the interests of the entire industry, as opposed to, you know, one company trying to get more loans than another. Well, I wonder if the mortgage industry is more well-suited for competition than other spaces. Because now I'm thinking... If I was a, a furniture manufacturer, I'd be just as competitive against my rivals in the furniture manufacturing space. Or do you think that mortgage in a unique way is geared for highly competitive individuals? These are you've got salespeople, um, you know, as opposed to you're really not selling a product, if you will. And so I think selling a product, you know, you're sort of depending on the quality of the product, talking about furniture you know, the style, but here, we're, you know, the mortgage money, it's just, um, at the end of the day, it's who likes their salesperson better. That's an interesting way to put it because my dad always said, whether you're selling mortgages or selling furniture, product, price, service, pick two. And if the product in the mortgage industry, what people don't realize, Fannie Mae is the ultimate lender in the vast majority of cases. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the agencies, GSEs is the ultimate lender. And so the product's basically the same. So it's go compete on price and go compete on service. And it's a dog eat dog world out there. Price changes, you know, daily. And I, I always used to, used to when I managed loan officers, um, they'd say, well, I, you know, I want to give my, my consumer the best price. And I'd say, great. Then maybe you should refer them to another lender because on any given day, somebody else is going to undercut you on price. That's not really what you're you're selling. Um, you can't just be selling the price because somebody else is cheaper. 
Um, what you need to be selling is, is you and you, and that's what that service element is, is, is more of a, a relationship and a confidence with the consumer that you're providing good advice, giving them a fair price and, you know, helping them achieve their home ownership dreams um, with, with somebody who makes them feel comfortable in the process. I think that's, you know, if we're talking about retail um, loan officers competing, that's, that's what they've got to be selling. That's enough about mortgage. I want to get back to me. I'm the star of the show here. <laughs> I actually, you, know, you, you, Jeremy Potter, and I hung out in New Orleans together. And I had told Jeremy before we met up with you, I think that in my life, I've definitely asked so many more questions than I've been asked. And the irony, take this with a grain of salt, people listening, I'm not, I'm not that much of a jerk, is that I'm really interesting and I'm the one asking questions all the time. It's like people, people should be asking me stuff. I got interesting things to say. So go away, fire, fire away with your questions. I'll see if I can live up to, to my own billing here. Okay. So, so tell me what you, is as, as a competitive guy, right? A self-professed, more competitive than Kobe Bryant guy. <laughs> what, what is your, who are you competing against with when you, when you do this podcast, when you work in the mortgage business, what is your, are, are you feeling that? Is that driving you or is it something different? I, that's a good question because I, I think if I had more focus, I would view it in the sense that you just asked, but I don't. I, I view it in the sense of phases of life. When I was young, the competition was sports and I got recruited to play baseball in college. I ended up riding bicycles professionally after college. And from there, it turned to kind of who, who can, who can, I don't, I don't want to say party hardest, but you know, it's kind of like who can go out and drink and then, and then show up at work next day and be productive when you're like in your early twenties, who can, who can go hard, I guess from there it transitions towards, okay, who's going to be able to build themselves a good career. And from there, and I would say I'm currently in this phase that I'm about to explain to you, it's who can build a life for themselves that they like. And you know me a little bit. I I really enjoy my lifestyle. I'm always traveling somewhere before New Orleans. I was in Aspen. Before that, I was in Lake Tahoe. Before that, I was on the Sonoma coast. I, I can work remote for the most part. I enjoy what I do. And I, I think that the life I've been able to build is a direct reflection of my intelligence or my savviness. Some some people might be sitting there going, you're a Nepo baby and you don't know anything about mortgage. Your dad paved the way for you. But you know, I'm, I'm at that point now where it's I built this lifestyle. Maybe the next phase is uh, what sort of family do you want to build? What, what kind of roots do you want? And then after that, it's what sort of legacy do you want to leave? But it's not it's not me competing against others or myself, really. It's just it's competing for these ideals, trying to you, trying to be the best athlete, trying to be the best clubber, trying to be the best uh, career man, trying to be the best lifestyle enthusiast. You know, like that's, I don't know if there's a word for that, but that's how my mind works. Yeah. Okay. So on the next episode of The Bachelor, Robbie will tell us <laughs> where, where he went. No, I, I, listen, I feel like, you know, this is, this is just, you know, now turned into like, you know, a, 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 you know, therapy session or something, something, you know, for, for goal setting and, and lifestyle, but I'll, I'll look for a bill in the mail. Okay. No, there, yeah. 
Patent Levy and Temple. Right. Um, when my wife and I started a family um, and wanted to start a family, it really changed our our life around um, from what, you know, I think when you have a family, your fun engine, the things that make you happy, um, like travel, like, you know, going out and having fun with your friends, going to sporting events and, you know, doing those kinds of things, it changes. It changes dramatically. And you all of a sudden are very inwardly focused in fun with just enjoying your family and your kids. Um, it's a very different perspective, but you can't just like decide, okay, that's what I'm going to go do. You know, I mean, you know, there's a few steps before that. Well, so I, I view it though, as I'm trying to wring everything out of each of these respective phases so that I'm ready for the next one. I think people that have a quote unquote midlife crisis, it's because they didn't get to live out a certain phase. A cousin of mine, he, uh, he was a golfer in college at San Jose State. He got his girlfriend pregnant. She's from Chicago. She's very Catholic. She said, we have to keep the baby and we're getting married. He's now 23 and is on his fourth kid. And he never got to live those things out. And then, so I think, you know, that type of person is a candidate for trying to relive it later on. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be the best in each phase and, and be at peace with moving on to the next one and leaving the last one in the past when I'm ready for that. Your friend could just stay happily married and you know, become a grandparent and keep going. Yes, in I, I have, I have learned, like I said, I enjoy my lifestyle. I'm out there traveling. Some people are happy going home and petting their dog and watching a Netflix show with their significant other. And it's not, it's not my position to judge them on that. If it makes them happy, they're happy. And I hope they're happy. Different, different strokes for different folks. So hopefully everybody out there enjoys their life as much as I, I feel like I'm enjoying mine right now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure that, you know, like you talk about like stages. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know when you're ready for the next stage or if there is a next stage. Not everybody has a next stage. Well, I think I think reinventing yourself is good. And I'll swing this back towards bicycling since that's where we started. And that's presumably where you want to go. When you race bikes at a high level and you're you're training six days a week and you're riding 20 hours a week or 300 miles a week or whatever it might be, that's your identity. Completely uninhibited. That's your identity. And so going from that to where I am now, I'm not going to say it was an identity crisis, but you need to kind of, you need to evolve and redefine yourself. I know guys that are still lacing it up every weekend to race at 45. And I think if it makes you happy, good. But also I, I think some people feel trapped in that sense. And so it's good to shed layers and evolve and move forward. Much like I was able to go from racing to just enjoying riding a bike and getting out and bike packing and traveling and seeing the world at a, a pace that uh, I wasn't concerned about the rigidity of training. Join us next Friday for part two of this conversation. The Federal Reserve does not set mortgage rates, but the same factors that influence its open market committee's decisions impact the bond markets and, in turn, mortgage rates. Barring some monumental event, the committee is on hold until March. But that doesn't mean that the bond market is frozen until then. We should continue to see slight moves in rates up and down based on economic news from the U.S. and around the world as investors guess where rates are going over the long term.
even with the Federal Reserve's preferred gauge of underlying inflation cooling to an almost three-year low. Chair Powell struck a cautious tone in his post-FOMC press conference on Wednesday, saying that the committee needs to see more progress prior to cutting interest rates. There are obviously a lot of factors at play here. Global shipping rates have surged due to attacks in the Red Sea, and economists fear that inflation might rebound as supply chains become stretched. However, we learned yesterday that non-farm labor productivity increased at a stronger-than-expected 3.2% annualized rate in the fourth quarter. The increase in output per hour worked, alongside cooler growth in compensation costs, has reduced some inflationary pressure out of the job market. Yes, the U.S. labor market appears to be cooling. Initial and continuing jobless claims rose to two-month highs yesterday. And while that isn't good news for the employment situation in this country, it is good for mortgage rates. 30-year fixed mortgage rates fell to 6.63% this week, down from 6.69% last week. The improvement in rates is from both falling treasury yields and tightening MBS spreads. MBS spreads, the incremental return that investors require to entice them to hold mortgage-backed securities instead of treasuries, are a function of bond market volatility, which has been falling. While both treasuries and agency MBS have the same credit risk, e.g. zero, MBS have much higher interest rate risk due to negative convexity where bonds duration increases in conjunction with an increase in yield. Spreads are much lower than early 2023, around the fall of Silicon Bank, but still much higher than pre-Fed rate hikes. That is good news, because spreads can fall a lot further, lowering mortgage rates. As inflation, and mortgage rates and other types of long-term borrowing rates that peaked in October, continues to fall, an unchanged Fed funds rate means that inflation-adjusted rates are rising. This could force the Fed to cut rates to maintain the current level of monetary tightness. Fed Chair Powell explicitly stated that a March cut is unlikely, but hope springs eternal pricing in Fed funds futures contracts currently implies around a 1 in 3 chance that the FOMC cuts rates by 25 basis points on March 20th. Some Fed members think that a rate cut might be appropriate as early as March, but, but a critical mass lean toward waiting longer. The Fed pivot towards future rate cuts, in conjunction with the decline in inflation, is good news for home sales and mortgage originations that likely bottomed out in the latter half of 2023. A gradual improvement is now underway. Home builders continue to add new supply, which should aid affordability. Before I get too far ahead of myself, rates still have a significant way to go in order to meaningfully reduce the lock-in effect experienced by homeowners who refinanced or bought during the pandemic. Mortgage rates need to fall under 4% for the out-of-the-money status of much of the universe would begin to wash away. All eyes are now on today's jobs report. Well, so much for <laughs> a cooling labor market. Non-farm payrolls came in at 353,000 in January, twice as strong as expected, with strong back-month revisions. While the unemployment rate came in unchanged at 3.7%, that marks two years below 4%. It was expected to tick up to 3.8% from 3.7% previously. Hourly earnings were up 0.6% for the month and up 4.5% year-over-year. Very strong. The economic calendar closes out later this morning with December factory orders expected to increase 0.2% month-over-month versus 2.6% in November. And final January consumer sentiment, which is expected to rise slightly. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse a quarter to three-eighths, and the 10-year yielding 3.95 after closing yesterday at 3.86% due to the strong jobs data. The Fed cutting rates at its next meeting in March is pretty much now off the table. 
I told you markets, I've been telling you time after time, why are you pricing in rate cuts? They're not cutting rates. They've been saying they're not cutting rates. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. What does a grape say when it's squashed? Nothing. It just lets out a little wine. <laughs> Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Calc. Given the rates are the highest they've been in decades, how can homeowners be convinced to move into a new home? With the trade and mortgage powered by Calc, homeowners can buy before they sell, make non-contingent offers, and tap their home equity to fund the down payment on their next home. The result? Lenders help their clients negotiate a lower purchase price, reduce their interest payments, and eliminate PMI. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.